my throat muscles open so that the sound would resonate at the top of my chest, giving my words a masculine pitch. Though I had practiced this art for many years, my voice could only pass when I spoke softly. Blindness is a mercy, sir, for those who walk in the night. She held her bottle up for me to see and sloshed the inch of liquid that remained. Nothing good would come of hiring her if she was already half-blind from wood alcohol. I pulled a coin from beneath my cloak and flicked it up. Her head snapped towards a slight metallic ringing as it spun in the air, and I began to think she used her ears, not her eyes. With a swift movement, I made to trap it on the back of my gloved hand. "'What say you? Heads,' she said, without hesitation. Heads for luck, or heads for blindness? For mercy, sir. Removing my hand, I revealed the space where the coin should have been, but was not. Then, with a deceiving movement of my other hand, I pulled it from the air. The woman's lips drew back into a grin, revealing the stumps of three stained teeth. I flicked the coin towards her, and she snatched it, fleet as a snake strike. It seems you're not blind yet. No, indeed, though I will work to remedy that with your good help. Watch for me as I go, I said. Look for any other that may follow. I'll visit again on my return. Bless you, sir, she said. Then, as I walked away, I heard her calling out, May many buxom women bear you sons! A bell jangled as I pushed the door and stepped into the warm closeness of the dark-side coffeehouse. High-backed benches divided the room into a series of secluded drinking booths. Tables lay between them, on each of which guttered the inconstant flame of a small candle. A brass-mounted chromatic lamp adorned the shelf behind the bar. Its round lenses illuminated caddies of coffee, tobacco and hashish but left the body of the room darker than the street. I started to raise a hand to check the hair was still in place on my upper lip, but managed to stop myself halfway. The barman was watching me. Tilting my head forwards so the shadow of my hat brim lay across my eyes, I stepped towards him. I'm here to meet someone, I said. A lady. I... He turned a gilt-rimmed glass onto a matching saucer and started pouring thick Turkish coffee from a silver pot. Was waiting on seeing who the lucky man would be. Where may I find her? Taking my money, he nodded towards the back. Stepping between the booths, I picked my way in the direction he had indicated. Sweet tobacco and hashish smoke mixed with the smells of bitter coffee and alcohol. Growing accustomed to the gloom, I could just make out the whites of eyes watching me. Here and there the bowl of a smoking pipe flared red. The identity of this much-needed client had not been hard to ascertain. Her letter of inquiry had been phrased in that over-embellished prose so typical of the aristocratic houses of the South. An educated hand of swirls and serifs had written that letter, Heavy, cream-coloured paper reinforced the impression. All spoke of money. But it had been the edge of a watermark that had narrowed my search to one estate. 
It seemed that such a woman would be conspicuous in this setting, but when I reached the rear of the room and saw her, I marveled at how well she had camouflaged herself. A coarse woolen shawl hung from her shoulders, and a plain bonnet hid all but a few of her blonde ringlets. Only when she reached out her hand did the shawl part, and I glimpsed the jewel-green blouse she wore beneath, its full sleeves nipped in at the forearm by long, tight cuffs. Even in that gloom, the colour seemed bright. I took her hand and made a small bow. Mr. Barnabas, she inquired. There was a shifting in one of the nearby booths, a whisper of cloth, as if a head had turned or a hand had reached to open a watch casing. I slid into the seat opposite her and placed my coffee glass on the table between us. You speak too loud, I whispered.